I am practicing and learning how to lean more into my feminine energy in that regard, not being the initiator for everything. And I don't mean like being soft and feminine and getting princess treatment all the time. I love princess treatment, right? Mm -hmm. I, that is my thing, but that's not what I mean. I mean like in receiving and not always being the helper or the initiator or the leader. Mm -hmm. And I believe maybe I was conditioned to be that way from a small child from the absence of my mom, mm -hmm. possibly, and the influence of my dad and like being pushed and like driven. What's up? Welcome to the You Knows Best Pod. I appreciate your support. In return, I hope I provide you with some worthwhile gems that benefit you on your journey. At the very least, I hope I put a smile on your face. If not, hopefully you share this with someone that does benefit. And I got you next time. Again, thanks for joining today and let's get this thing going. All right. Welcome to another episode of the You Knows Best Pod where I'm gonna give you the truth, the whole truth, well, as best I can, so help me God. I have a wonderful guest, Miss Dominique Briggs. Hello, it's me. Um, so Dominique is a good friend of the show, even though she went to this place in Virginia called- Not Hampton. even though, it's because I went to Hampton University. Yes, yeah, The yeah. better. Stop, we stop <laughs> before, before we stop recording right now. Um, Yes, uh known Dominique for a, a little bit, uh, a great black woman doing great things in the community, you know, very interesting story from, from the D, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> you got it? Yeah. Come on. Um, but yeah, so Dominique, thank you for coming to uh, the podcast today. Uh, let people know who you are, what you do. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am from Detroit, Michigan. I've been in Chicago though for about 12 years um, after graduating from the illustrious Hampton University. Um, I work in the field of education. And so by trade, I'm an educator, but I'm also a capacity building coach. Um, I work with people to build their emotional resilience so that they are able to do the things that they want to do and not feel limited in their practices. So um, that covers a variety of things, but I love all things emotional intelligence. I love helping people. I am a servant leader. Um, yeah, I've been in the education field now for almost 10 years. I've done a couple of things. I worked as a classroom teacher. I taught music for six years, which was fun. That's what my degree is in. Shout out to Hampton again. Um, I did some instructional coaching for a while. Um, and now I own a business that work, focuses on adult SEO, that's social emotional learning to help build capacity. And I work with teachers to build their leadership skills. Okay, cool. So we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about growing up in the D. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you so you're a little old. I'm just kidding. First of all. <laughs> No, but I bet y'all can't guess my age though. No, no, no. That she she's not much older than me and I'm not old, so you know. But like how was it growing up in Detroit in the eighties, nineties, you know, a little bit of the two thousands? Yeah, because I was there until two thousand two. It was great for mm -hmm. me. Um I'm trying to think of what are the words to describe it because I feel like the media portrays urban cities in such a bad light. Okay. And that has not been my experience. It also can be or could be because I grew up in the hood, so I have an affinity for it, right? Mm -hmm. And that stuff that people might be scared of does not really um, 
scare me like that. So I was born and raised on the east side. My family moved to the west side, I think when I was in high school. Mm. Um, that's when I moved with my grandmother on my mom's side at that time frame. Um, I have an interesting story in reference to my childhood because I was raised mostly by my father. Um, my stepmother, my grandparents, they all pitched in as well, but my mother was not an active part in my life. Um, and I think that that has caused, watch my words with that. Um, it has shaped me into the woman that I am today because it's not all bad, mm. you know? Like there are things that I resent her for and resented her for, for not being there. But I also think about what my life would have been like if she had have stayed there with me. Cause she was out in the streets, you know, she was young when she had me, she had just turned 18. Um, growing up in the 80s and 90s, that's like the prime era of the crack heroin epidemic, you know? So both my parents fell victim to that. My dad was just functional mm. and being able to do that. So I think um, it allowed me to be able to connect myself to women who really poured into me mm. instead of following behind someone who wasn't necessarily doing something that was positive and productive. So I'm grateful for that. Um, I went to Cass Technical High School. <laughs> Shout out to my people from Detroit. They know about Cass. I know about Cass. Mm -hmm. What you know about Cass? Um, Y'all have had a few football players. Okay. Um, 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 one of my teammates went to Cass. Okay. Um, Brandon Buffer. Shout out to him. Okay. Um, he's one of the. Uh, he's an outer. Um, that's one of the conversation. <laughs> um. But yeah, I know I know a few people from Cash. I had some NFL players get drafted and stuff. Okay, you know more about them than I do because I don't know See, anything about I know about more, that. more about your city than you. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I you said football players. Okay, that's fine. We're gonna do some Detroit trivia on here in a minute. Oh, we can do that. Oh, really? We can do it. We can try. Okay. Um, because I was about to say like you know not to make light of your your family situation, but like would you say like. You know, being from Detroit and your family, your parents being involved, I guess, with drugs and things of that nature. Like, what are your thoughts around, like, people like BMF? Like, like, was that, like, directly impacting y'all? Um, I don't think so. I don't, I honestly don't watch the show. And mm -hmm. my apologies to people who might be, like, fans of it, but I don't feel, I tried to watch the first couple episodes, but it doesn't feel like authentic Detroit. Mm -hmm. um, listening to the people try to portray the accent or like, even in the opening scene, something stands out to me of them like being in the middle of the street, fake jitting, or you know, like it just, mm -hmm. it seems like a facade or they're pretending to be from Detroit, which they technically are, yeah. but I just, I can't do it. So in, in my life in particular, um, I'm trying to think because certain things, you don't remember unless you are actively reflecting on them. So mm -hmm. when you ask that question, my stepmom and I think my dad too were friends with the drug dealers on the block. I remember I won't call their names out because I don't know like who's connected to them. But like two houses down from us was an active like crack house mm -hmm. that people lived in and they like owned a couple houses in the neighborhood. Like, it, but it wasn't foreign I guess to me like it was common to see crackheads on the street you know you at the park you might see a needle or a condom you know not to touch that and go play on the swings and you know um but 
when I think about how the neighborhood looks now, I don't remember it being like that when I was a kid. There's lots of like vacant houses and yeah, blocks and you know, like all of that stuff. But there were people that actually lived in those spaces when I was there. It was a neighborhood. We all knew each other. Everybody knew my dad. Nobody messed with me. This is during the time frame when you go get cigarettes for your parents from the store, you know, as a minor and all of that stuff. So all of my memories of Detroit and the scenes and the neighborhoods are like nostalgic and fond. Um, I will say though, this is a funny story to me and my homegirls. Like there was um, a time frame where we were walking down the street, you know, doing our thing, teenagers in the block, in the neighborhood, and I heard. Okay, well it was like boom, and I like took off running because I thought it was a gunshot, but it turned out that somebody just slammed their car door real hard, and it was like real loud, and everybody's laughing at me at this point because I'm not gonna get shot, you know, out here. But stuff like that, you know, like it's um those memories are fond to me, like funny. I'm not like oh my god, it was so bad, it was so rough, and my I had everything I needed, most of what I wanted. I went to pretty good schools. I performed a lot. That was my outlet. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of us, or a lot of people like you, my situation wasn't anywhere near yours mm -hmm. as far as like um, my parental situation or like yeah. the things going on, but like I've seen other people while I was around, mm -hmm. things like that, you know, growing up. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, you grew up in a very, musical like academic we mm -hmm. like strong way mm -hmm. um enough to get a scholarship to hbcu mm -hmm. right so like that's that's an accomplishment in like perseverance in itself right mm -hmm. um so like you talked about being a music teacher i also know that you were what the first female drum major head you got to say it right yeah. okay the first head the first female head drum major because there were female drum majors before me and i never want to like take away their their shine mm -hmm. um but i was the first one under the direction under of uh barney e smart mm -hmm. he was our former band director rest in peace i loved him like my dad um to serve in that role so okay. yeah right and so like to do all that to have those accomplishments coming from your background, mm -hmm. right? Like, do you sometimes sit back and reflect on like, damn, I really overcame a lot to be who I am and where I was or where I am? Do I feel like that? I don't know if I feel like that. I think um, you said this to me a couple days ago where we were talking about somebody and we said, if it's not in you, it's not in you. It's either in you or it's not in you. Oh, we're talking about you. Uh -huh. Yeah. No, nah, we were talking about a young lady. <laughs> if it's in you, it's in you. If it's not, it's not. Oh. And um, we do these exercises at work where we reflect on uh, questions about like our life in general. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, one of the questions that we ask is, what did you want to be as a child? The very, my very first like career aspiration was to be the first female, the uh, first black female president of the United States. Mm -hmm. So I've always been like that. I think that it has, um, those things were instilled in me by my dad because I remember standing in front of him before we would go to bed at night. He would be sitting on the side of the bed. He pulled me in front of him and he would say, what's your motto? Mm -hmm. And my motto is, I can do anything if I try. Mm -hmm. And I've just always tried and I've always been blessed to be good at the things that I tried to do. Right. So why not? You know, I never felt like there was a ceiling 
And if somebody told me that I couldn't do something or if I noticed that it was something that has not been done before, that's the lane that I was going to take. Okay. And so um, I don't think that I've, I feel like I've overcome, maybe in these recent years as I start to reflect on, yeah, probably within the last 30 days, actually, um, as I reflect on the things that I have accomplished, that only comes because I'm so hard on myself because I feel like I should have accomplished much more. Mm, but then I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, but then I'm like, Dominique, you have my father died when I was 19 years old. My mother was not a part of my life. My grandmother, wait, my dad died when I was turning 20. My grandmother who raised me died when I was 19. Mm. My mother was not active. My maternal grandmother has always been there and has been a support system for me. But like, that's not the person that I would go to to be like, mom, can I do this? Or what do you think? Because you a little prickly, maybe. No, not necessarily for that. It's just because I have always kind of been independent mm. like that. I used to get in trouble in high school for, I have 12 siblings total, but my mom had seven kids and we were all in the house with my grandma in high school. So she taking care of all these kids. I'm finna go out and get some money. I'm about to do hair and I'm gonna pay for my graduation things or my prom dress. And she was upset with me cause she wanted to help with that. But I've always been like an initiator, go-getter type. So everything that I have accomplished from going to Hampton to moving from Hampton to Chicago to all the things that I have done have been based off of my own decision-making skills. And that's a lot, you know, to be out here navigating the world basically alone and still mm. get to the leadership positions that I've gotten to, to be respected in the education community the way that I am, to raise my children the way that I'm raising them. You know, like it's, that's not an easy feat. And so I'm trying to um, ground myself in that and be proud of what I've done and not so upset that I have not done more. Yeah, I think when that it, it probably has to do with your like your mentality being a high achiever mm -hmm. typically high achievers don't they can't appreciate mm -hmm. what they've accomplished yeah. until much later right yeah. um like even when like in my family people are like oh you you've done so many things you we're so proud of you i'll be like this regular i'm like this regular yeah. like i'm like if you, if you saw my friends like you yes. being like Bro, yes. you lacking. <laughs> yes, but you know what helps me with that? I think about their backgrounds too. Like yeah. my friends who are like doing what I would consider much better than me, oftentimes come from two parent households mm -hmm. that had like lots of structure, funding, you know, structure, and they were well provided. I was well taken care of. I won't, you know, I'm not trying to take outside of that or take away from that, but private schools, you know, mm -hmm. privilege, you would push, yeah, right. like lots of things that. Um, we did not have, they have resources that we did not. Yeah. And so, um, the same way that I work to provide scaffolds to my kids in the schools and help my teachers to do that and look at things from different perspectives, I have to do that in my life too. You know, mm -hmm. I'm still climbing at some point. I'm sure the, we may equal out or we might not, but you're running your own race though. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So you went to Hampton on music scholarship, right? No, I went to Hampton on a presidential scholarship. What does that even mean? It means that, that, you're very that, smart. that yes, that I am very smart, but it is the highest scholarship that you can get. So mm. it's full tuition, room and board, like everything is mm -hmm. covered. 
Um, but I got access to the presidential scholarship because I auditioned for Mr. Smart on my clarinet. My grades were good. My scores were good. I was a beast on my instrument. He's like, oh, you qualify for this. Let's go ahead and blah, blah, blah. And I got that scholarship and then a music scholarship to supplement. Any so, additional things? Mm -hmm, books, whatever other stuff that I Okay. Yeah. And, all right. And so like talking about that, like you talked about playing a clarinet. I know you play on the keyboard and mm -hmm. you can sing, right? So mm -hmm. like where did that come from like where did that influence to be like so musical come from and like especially for somebody that's not pursuing like mm -hmm. uh to be an art like a musical artist like mm -hmm. it came from jesus mm -hmm. and initially it was the goal so i started singing i've been singing as long as i can remember but my first experience with it was in the church choir mm. you know like that's where most of us start yeah um my grandmother who raised me brought me my first little keyboard i asked for it for christmas it was one of these ones and i remember like pick picking out the notes and like hearing the songs and playing music by ear mm -hmm. at that point i started a little girls group with my girlfriends and we would make songs about girl power and be dancing in my living room i don't even remember i don't know if they remember either it was yeah. some girl. I don't know. It was some girl. Yeah, still tight. yeah. Okay. we call ourselves the 27s. All of our birthdays are on the 27th of a different month. <laughs> okay. I know, right? But that's I. We mm. lived on the same block. I am nine twenty seven. Marissa is three twenty seven. Renika is seven twenty seven, and Tanisha is six twenty seven. So we have a, an Aries. Uh, three twenty seven. Yes. Yeah. We have a. A Leo. Mm-hmm. 727. We have a Libra. 927. And what was the other one? A Cancer. 627. Okay. Is that a Cancer? Yeah, I think. Uh, That's right before. Yeah, it's Cancer. Before Leo. No, it's Cancer. It's yeah. Cancer. Uh-huh. That's some interesting mix of it personalities. It is. It is. Some very fiery people uh -huh. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All of that. All right. of that. So you y'all you had your group right, and your mm -hmm. your goal was to be a musical artist. Yes, that's why I went to school. My degrees in music. Mm -hmm. My degrees music engineering technology. I have been my rationale, which I wish somebody would have sat me down and like Dominique. This is what you need to do to make some money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, be a producer, my, you know. <laughs> yeah. But my rationale was to um, I had been performing my whole entire life, like ever really since I came out the womb. My whole entire life. Theater, dance, um, choir, so vocal instruments. I play multiple instruments and I decided to go for MET so that I can learn the back end. You know, couldn't nobody tell me nothing if I know how to produce my own music and I'm singing and performing and all of that. Um, but that didn't. gonna be the female J. Cole. What's I gonna be that? I don't know. Yeah, cause mm -hmm. Cole. He does all that? Well, yeah, so Cole would produce a lot of his music. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people weren't feeling him. Well, there are people that love Cole, but they, like people wanted him to like stop producing his own stuff. Oh, okay. And when he started letting other people produce his music, mm -hmm. that's when that's he really one. blew up. Okay. Right? Because he's like, oh, it's the same sound every mm -hmm. time, bro. We don't want to hear it yeah. every time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just wanted to be able to be in the mix. Like, I know this is what. I have a bit of a control problem that I have been working on over the last couple of years that I, since I know it, right? I try to step mm -hmm. back, but we I think I just wanted talk, to. We don't talk about that. Listen, whatever. But I just wanted to be able to do it all, you know? Okay. So, um, but it didn't necessarily work out like that. If I could go back um, and change some things, I would adjust the internships that I did. 
um, and the connections that I was I was making at that time frame, really nurturing them because I have friends who have made it big in those industries, but I was so focused on getting out of school. Um, I was tired of school. I was ready to start my life and I shouldn't have. There are lots of things that I could have made, decisions that I could have made that would have changed the trajectory of my life mm-hmm. um, in regards to music and being an artist. Even if I had to listen to an advisor that I had who told me to p- pursue a master's degree in music performance, mm-hmm. I would have been playing classically in the Chicago Symphony Orchestra or something like that, you know, but I was just done. I was ready to get out of school. And when I graduated, life started. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. So you went to Hampton, right? You get the scholarship. Mm -hmm. You become the first female head drum major, right? But in the midst of that, you also pledge. Oh, I sure did what I pledged. You pledged some sorority. Some sorority? (laughs) That's how you feel? I am a member of the illustrious Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated by way of the Gamma Theta chapter. Okay, Mm -hmm. right. So all that, I would be ready to get out of school too. I'd be done, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So in that time, right, you also like, I think, once you got married, like as soon as you got out of college, Mm -hmm. right? The year after, yeah. Right. You had a lot going on, man. You had a lot going on because you had a child that you're like right after that the year after so as soon as we graduated um (laughs) the funny thing is we went to dinner with his parents Mm -hmm. and they're like okay what y'all want to do now y'all thinking about kids absolutely not we are not going to have children we want to do this we want to do that at that time frame i thought i was going to be an international runway supermodel because i started modeling you know look at this is an accurate depiction of like basically how tall she is yes only i'm a little bit more slumped down but she's pretty tall yeah i'm 5'10 barefoot so that's what i thought i was gonna go i didn't like print modeling but i love it's performance Mm. anything that requires performance i'm gonna get very very big person i do i do i got bbe I don't know oh. if we could cuss on here, so I ain't gonna cuss, but oh, the, the itch, B, the, the second. <laughs> okay, yes, itch, okay. You know? Gotcha, gotcha. Very big. So. Okay, so you get married, yeah. you get pregnant. Well, like a, the reverse. <laughs> you got pregnant, you got married. Okay. You the baby. Okay, <laughs> right. And you're in Virginia. Mm-hmm. How was that? Because I don't think we've ever actually talked about that experience of being in Virginia for those years Mm -hmm. I left Virginia to come back to the city Mm -hmm. I have always been a city girl before they turned it ratchet Mm -hmm. right like I am born and raised in Detroit being in Virginia was great while I was in school and even after I will not my time there was very fond it was slow Mm -hmm. Hampton is a college town I also lived in Newport News which is not too far from there I worked in Norfolk but Seven five seven isn't yeah. popping with it. You know, and it's it's much better they when I go back for homecoming and the HUHU games and like all of that stuff, they do have some things that they put there now, but it's just not it was too slow. And it's me. like kind of military area. It too, is. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's the the naval bases are down there and Air Force two, Air Force and Naval bases. So I have some friends in the military. But yeah, it it like I said, it was a it was a fond experience. I had um regular ass jobs <laughs> i worked at bank of america in the call center doing like customer marketing 
Um, but then I transitioned into residential property management. And that's where I started to get like my career footing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved from there in 2011 um, to come to Chicago to be closer to my family. I was trying to go to Detroit, but they gave all the positions away before they made me my position or my offer when I was working for PNC then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came to Chicago and I've been here ever since. Oh, that explains why you have PNC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You, you left them and kept they kept them as a I did. Sure okay. did. Okay. And so, you know, what was it like mentally like having the, having uh, your daughter? Mm-hmm. Shout out to Catherine, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you can let her know she got shouted on the podcast. Hey, baby girl. Um, like, and shout out to Eva too, because we can't. We're gonna get to Eva. Okay, I'm like, it, okay. But it, there's a gap <laughs> okay, between okay. those. It is a gap. It's yeah. a big gap. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, let them have their own shine, yes. right? Um, but like, did when you got pregnant with Catherine, did you think like, okay, well, I'm not gonna pursue music or modeling anymore because I'm a mom? No, um, and that's funny because I was just I made a little post about this today. I didn't realize this, but music is like therapy. Mm-hmm. And then I remember um, when I after I had Catherine, that pregnancy was not bad because I was young. I was 23, turning 24, so it wasn't a terrible pregnancy. But after I had her, I experienced postpartum mm-hmm. um, really bad. And I didn't know what it was. I just felt like something was wrong with me. Like it was a, a very bad experience. I was being a um, I had decided to be a stay at home mom because after I gave birth, I had to go back to work so quickly. And within like the first two days, I'm like, man, I can't do this. I'm down here in a corner trying to pump my milk. Y'all got these occurrences. If I'm late, like this is whack and I'm out. So my husband at the time, um, who is, we refer to as the kid's dad, but the kid's dad um, was working and he told me that I didn't have to work. I could stay home with the baby. That was, at that time, we didn't have much expenses, you know? So rent was like six fifty or $700, you know? Like, yeah, Regine Costco. Yeah, you know, like basic stuff or whatever. But going from being the first female head drum major, being the first in my family to be uh, in a sorority, being a first generation college grad, doing all these things in my <laughs> life, ramping up to being a stay-at-home mom playing with a baby having no like human no adult contact outside of her dad like was really like tough Mm. and so i started modeling again um what was i doing with music was i doing anything with music i don't think so i don't think i started doing anything again with music until i came to Chicago, um, and I was doing like mixtapes. I was on a couple mixtapes with, I know, stuff you don't know about me. I told you, hit a gym. Mixtapes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm lying to you. Cause I, I did some, I did do some in Virginia after mm-hmm. we split. I remember that now because we were recording my dining room, um, in my apartment. Yeah, just hustling for mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Okay. I was on Valentine's Day mixtapes. I was seeing hooks. Like all of that stuff. So that was my musical outlet then. But if I go too long without it, I, I, my light dims. I get like real low. So it's, it's always very close to me. Okay. So you can, so you, you do a little bit of music, right? You Mm -hmm. come to Chicago to be closer to family. Yeah. And then you end up being a teacher. I know that's so wild. It wasn't, that was definitely not my plan. So mm-hmm. funny story, graduating from Hampton, Teach for America reached out to me. And you said no. 
Um, I said yes at first for the interviews. Mm -hmm. I ditched the first interview because I was like, eh. then they asked me to come back for another interview. Ditched that one too because I said I didn't want to work with nobody badass kids. It's <laughs> like, absolutely not, never. And then 10 years to date almost after that is when um, I was offered the position randomly um, to be a music teacher. So mm -hmm. first coming to Chicago, I worked for PNC. Um, then I uh, was an entrepreneur for a while. I sold Mary Kay, did makeup, all of that stuff. Then I started doing business to business sales for Humana Vitality. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got pregnant with my second baby, um, Eva Simone. And that, um, you can tell by her name, Eva Simone. <laughs> this is the one that has the personality. Yes. Like yeah. Catherine does too. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It is just different. So. She sat me down in that pregnancy. I couldn't work starting at like nine weeks. I couldn't work. I had to go out on disability. I had an in-home IV, a Zofran pump in my stomach because I had hyperemesis, gravidarum. And so while I'm out on leave. People don't know what that means. Hyperemesis, gravidarum is very extreme morning sickness. Okay. So what that means, y'all can't really see, but I'm, I'm thin for the most part now. At that time frame, when I got pregnant, I was about 140 pounds, 150 pounds. At the most. And thinking about that at 5'10", that's 5, 10, very thin. Very thin. Mm -hmm. In that pregnancy, I lost almost 20 pounds because I could not eat. Mm -hmm. Anything I ate, um, if I could hold it down, came back up almost immediately. I couldn't drink water. I had like very like weird cravings. It was She was very particular. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, now nah, don't do that. Right, but I think it's because I was calling her a boy. Her name was going to be... Well, I think her name was going to be Evan. Mm. I just knew she was a boy because Catherine was a girl. I knew I was about to have a boy, blah, blah, blah. And all the way up until I found out the sex of that baby and even a little bit afterwards, she gave me the flux. No, I am not a boy. Mm. And then when I started calling her by her name, she kind of calmed down a little bit. I was still sick, but she just was not she wasn't, as bad. She wasn't fucking with the... Mm -mm. Don't call me Evan. Exactly. She said, I know who I am. You know, yeah. she she still knows who she is to this day. She's been like that ever since she was in my womb. Yeah. Um, so that the transition into education, I always say it feels like God opened up the doors for me and I just cha-cha right on through them. I didn't apply mm -hmm. for that role. I was um, t or conducting the children's choir at my church because I was okay. leading the praise team and all that. And I was like, maybe I could do this. I love these kids. Like, this is great. The littles, I want to do that. And I applied for a, a elementary school music teacher position, just like randomly, because I had mm -hmm. leadership experience, but I never heard back from that. And so then like a year or two later, I get this random email while I'm out on leave. And it's like, hey, I got your resume from one of my colleagues, and I think you would be a good fit for our music teacher position. I thought it was spam. Um, and I almost didn't reply, but I did the little phone interview. Mm -hmm. They uh, invited me <laughs> back after the phone interview to do the in-person interview. And I'm like, well, it either has to happen on Monday or it's going to have to wait for weeks because I am about to have a baby any day now. I'm like 39 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we set up the interview for Monday. Mm -hmm. I went into labor on Sunday. And so I had to email them from the hospital bed, like, hey, I won't be there tomorrow because I'm pushing out a kid. Right. And then that was March 15th is when Eva was born. In April, the principal reached, the principal reached back out to me mm -hmm. um, and said, I wanted to follow up with you to see if you were still interested. I didn't know nothing about curriculum. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I worked at a charter school. And because I had a degree in music, that's what I needed at that time. And they taught me everything that I needed to know 
with professional development. By year three, I was a master teacher mm. because I, it, teaching is my gift. When I um, became a teacher, my friends are like, Dominique, we knew, because I, I would say stuff like, who would have thought that Dominique Natasha was going to be a teacher? And all of them say, we knew. We don't see how you didn't know. You've been correcting us and teaching us ever since we was, you know, little bitty kids. So. How do you say you know, percent sign? Yes, percent sign. Okay. That means sidebar. Yeah. Yeah. Sidebar. She taught me this. I right? did because I'm a teacher. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this, right? We're going to pivot. We're going to go back to this, yeah. right? We're going to pick back up to your story. Like, how do you feel like your personality mm -hmm. of like being this very headstrong, very do it on my own, kind of like a little bossy? Mm -hmm. Not like, kind of. I was trying to be nice. Thank you. You know, um, <laughs> say, say things softly, be nice, yes. right? Um, like, how do you feel like that's impacted you in life? Like, just in general, like, relationships, work, career, like, just life in general, like, good or bad? Mm. How does me being a boss be impact? And a little bit of a narcissist. Un poco, just a slight, and it's a narcissist part. I'll teach you about internal family systems on another podcast, right? Okay. Um, but how has it impacted me? I think um, it has opened doors for me that might not have been open if I was if I had more of a timid personality. But I honestly don't know because it is just natural, mm -hmm. and so I feel like people gravitate towards me as the leader. Number one, because I'm tall. I'm 5'10", barefoot, but I always wear heels. So I'm like 6'2". I dress well. I keep myself up. I am not afraid to ask questions, you know. So people have always gravitated towards me as the leader. In recent years, I try to step back, like, in, to be behind the scenes and, like, push other people forward. But it still don't work. I still get called really, out yeah. for that. So I feel like it's it's opened doors and made me visible, Um how has it impacted me in maybe a not so positive way? Maybe in romantic relationships, um, I had to learn how to, or I am practicing and learning how to lean more into my feminine energy in that regard of um, not being the initiator for everything. And I don't mean like being soft and feminine and getting princess treatment all the time. I love princess treatment, right? Mm -hmm. I, that is my thing but that's not what i mean i mean like in being um receiving and not always being the helper or the initiator or the leader mm -hmm. and i believe maybe i was conditioned to be that way from a small child from the absence of my mom mm -hmm. possibly and the influence of my dad and like being pushed and like driven saying things to me like oh i got a 4.0 but or what do you say? I had maybe an A minus or something and a couple A's. And he's like, "But you ain't got all A pluses. Why you don't have?" <laughs> so that's how that's how I grew up, right? right. Um, he treated you like a boy. No, well, he treated you like a boy. Well, so like, not like a boy. He treated you like a man would treat. Like he didn't handle you with kid gloves, right? Like I would. That's something that I feel like. That's how men react to things like. Oh, even even with athletics, right? Like you weren't an athlete, but like technically, I was. I just didn't play like your traditional sports, but I trained every year in order to be able to do all the stuff I did. And did. Okay. You couldn't do a back bend, even though you played football. You don't know what I could do. Oh, you could do a back bend right now? No, 
back then, okay. probably. Okay. But what I'm what I'm saying is like men are typically harder on their sons, mm-hmm. um, or just on their kids when they're doing things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think about like how tough my father was on me about mm-hmm. sports, right? Or like when he tried to teach my sister how to play basketball, and how frustrated. Like men have this thing about like, yeah, you did this, but. Yeah, you did that, but mm-hmm. right instead of like yeah, and you could have yeah, you know, it's always like yeah, you did this, but you could have done better, yeah. right? You you did this right, but this is wrong, and that leads you to like a, always trying to be perfect in mm-hmm. everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I discovered that in therapy when I was thirty, because um, you know you have to always you dive back into the stuff in your childhood, and mm-hmm. those are. Those are prevalent memories for me that the A plus thing is a comment that I consistently brought up. Um, I would get in trouble for like not keeping my room clean all the time or just, just expecting to be top tier all the time. When you walk out the house, you are a representative of the Wilkins household. You wear the Wilkins name on your back. You need to make sure that you're representing your whole family in a, you know, mm-hmm. a positive way. And I think that has. Maybe I need to start saying that to my kids. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. 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 My name, my maiden name is Dominique Wilkins, like the human highlight. I've never met him. I was not named after him. He's never given me money. I've never spoken to him on the phone. I've never done any of that stuff. And I know the questions that come up because I told you I worked in the call center and mm-hmm. I used to have to say, thank you for calling Bank of America. This is Dominique Wilkins. How may I help you? And everybody had the same reaction as you. So no. I think I answered all the questions up front, right? Anything else lingering about the human highlight? No. Okay. No. Good. Good, good. Yeah. Well, you know, you learn things <laughs> about people when you're on this podcast, right? Yes. Um, okay. So you feel like it may have affected you in relationships. Yes. Right. So you become a teacher, mm-hmm. right? After having this baby, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in the midst of that, you also become a divorcee, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and like from your perspective, like how has being a single mother of two, while trying to pursue your career and do all these things, be entrepreneur, um, how has that impacted you, mm-hmm. like mentally, physically, emotionally? It's tough. I would say that it's tough, but I don't think that um, I view myself. Do I call myself a single mom? Their dad is very active. Mm-hmm. We don't always get along, but he loves the children. Right. And I uh, somebody said that, what? Somebody said that to me. What? Uh, the other week, what? I was getting my hair done, mm-hmm. and the the young lady was in there and she was talking she was like no woman can call herself a single mother if the father is involved mm-hmm. she was like single mothers do not have any help mm-hmm. from a father yeah like and i and i was like yeah that that never that makes sense yeah you know the see, i don't I, i've seen that argument people say things like single father versus single parent or blah 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 mm-hmm. i'm not gonna argue semantics right mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I refer to myself as a single mom because of his um presence. Presence. But when I I was trying to put a label on it the other day and I am unpartnered. Mm-hmm. And so even though um 
he spends about 50% of the time with them, 40, 50% of the time with them. When it is my time, it is still all on me. Mm -hmm. I don't have another active person in the home. And so all of the social, emotional development, physical development, academic development, it all falls on me during that time period. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel blessed in the regard of being able to like our schedule is week on week off. And so one week I can be a full-time mom and like in my kids mix and like doing all that other stuff. The other week I can be a woman and travel and uh, build my bit. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to be. Most of the time I'm resting <laughs> and then I do everything. Long naps, long naps on the beach, <laughs> but definitely naps and mm. sleep. And it's important. It is. Yeah. And I'm an early riser. I'm up at like four thirty, five o'clock every morning. Um, so. Is that like a, a mom, a older, like older woman thing? Like my mom wake up at five o'clock. I'm like, you ain't got nowhere to be. Why I don't know if I will just put it on moms because I have friends that are women that are also moms and some single moms that don't do that. They just be sleep. They be sleep. Mm. They be sleep. So yeah. I don't know. It's busybody. This must be the busybody thing. Maybe, but I be sleep at like nine, nine, ten. No, my 10. mom. No, that's the thing. Y'all wait. Y'all go to sleep. So you early. know what? I'm gonna tell you what it is. I, it just because I'm like, what? Where does this come from? This is the time that I get to be alone. Mm. I get to if I the earlier I get up, I love y'all. I swear I do, Catherine and Eva. Woo, so much. Mommy loves y'all so much, and I need the time. <laughs> <laughs> I need Depends the time. on the day. No, I always love them. They just get on my nerves. Yeah. They just get on my nerves. But I always love them. Well, that, that happens, especially when you have a teenager. Yes, and then you have. Someone that's becoming a tween. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So personalities are, Ooh. and they're my children. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. There's little Dominiques out here. So uh, okay. pray for their teachers too, y'all, because all of that. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that's where it comes from. Before, because I, have I always been an early riser? Maybe not that early, but before it would be the nighttime is when I could like step I could put them to bed and then that would be my alone time. Mm -hmm. But now with their bedtimes being nine and ten o'clock, I'm falling asleep most times before them and then getting up in the morning is when I can do my you things that I need do to do. Yoga, meditate, yeah. pray. Be quiet, yeah, all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. 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 So And I, I think that's also too like I think having my son, I'm starting to wake up earlier naturally yeah. so I can like not feel so rushed yeah. when I wake up. Like, okay, give, I'm going to give myself like 45 minutes to an hour where I don't have to wake up. I don't have to feed him. Yeah. I don't have to interact because when he up, especially when it's not daycare days, yes. he is up yes. and he has a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. He all over this living room. Yeah like toys everywhere yeah. wants a hug wants wants to bring me stuff yeah and i gotta be on and i can't take a nap yeah and that i think that unpartnered part is right because like mm -hmm. I, po I posted something on instagram about like let's be real what part of being a parent don't you like mm -hmm. or do you not like and i was like the part about where i just sometimes i just want to take a, a poop in peace mm -hmm. and like not have to worry about somebody coming Coming and standing in the door and like, and if I shut the door crying, like, 
Bro, nobody's because you even... can't shut the door on your baby. Why you used to? He was in the front when I shut the door. Don't do that. Don't. Nope. You can't do it. Let him come right on in there. Sit at your feet. Bro, why? You, I don't want to smell your poop. Why you want to smell mine? Love you. That's fine. I love but his dad. Love me enough to let me poop in peace. <laughs> no, not a thing. Right, and then like, but it's it's the stuff of like, I just want to take a nap, mm -hmm. but I can't mm -hmm. because, and this is the life I chose, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make it any more. Mm -hmm. Or any less like unfun, mm -hmm. right? Parenting full time is ghetto though, even with a partner. I will mm -hmm. say that. And that's why I also feel blessed because <laughs> when you're married and you have your core unit, obviously that's ideal in our society, right? Mm -hmm. And in general, we want two parent households, kids perform better. Like there's data and research all around that. And <laughs> you do not get a break. You got kids all the time, mm -hmm. especially neither one of our families are close here. And so we have to rely on the networks that we build. You don't want to um, overstep by asking so much. You know, mm -hmm. you, you never get a break. So I feel like God knew exactly what I needed. You know, he gave me my kids. Their dad is involved. I get to go do what I want and then still be actively present with them and, you know, all of that. So I'm I'm trying to make sure that I make the best of the time that I have with them and I'm very present mm -hmm. um, because it can be hard to, you know, yeah. to do that with all the stuff that I have on my plate and everything that I'm trying to manage. Um, but divorce, I am not, let me, I want this on the record. I am not an advocate of divorce. Mm. I am not. When I first got divorced, lots of people would be in my inbox like, Dom, I'm going through such and such, blah, blah, blah. I will never, ever tell you to get a divorce. Like, first, I don't even, that would not be my first point of, like, advice. It won't even really be my last one, right? I'm mm -hmm. going to try to coach you through all of the relationship building things. And I, I feel like. Not I feel like I have helped save a lot of relationships based off of my experience in that mm -hmm. regard. But I do feel like divorce was um, a blessing in disguise for me. I feel like it, I got permission from God to do it as I like reflected on like how everything went down. Because for a long time, I felt very bad about wanting to do it with my spiritual connection and like all those things that the Bible talks about divorce. But I was mm -hmm. released um, and I feel like when I'm supposed to be married again, yeah, you know, he released me. Um, I learned a lot from that relationship. And when I do get married again, cause I do want to be married again. Um, I am hopeful and I will be intentional to make that my last relationship, you know? So. Okay. And so you talked about coaching, right? You coach mm -hmm. people, you help them. It's my right. favorite thing to do. Right, right. You let you tell people what to do. I um, don't, but that's it's different. Coaching is all about support. I'm just, I'm just yes, kidding. okay. Right. You're about to give me up on the soapbox for this. I'm not telling people. I'm helping them. No, yes. Um. All right. So you did teaching, but now you're not a you're not in the classroom. Mm -mm. Well, not there every day, but you're helping other teachers, right? Yeah. Uh, and you also have your own business mm -hmm. outside of that. Like, so what made you transition to that work? COVID. Okay. I never thought, um, and I, I'm going to be transparent too and watch my language, but I never thought that I would leave my school. I never thought that I would not be a teacher. I started my first nonprofit my third year as an educator, and I just figured I would do things. At that time frame, I was doing hair and makeup and styling and stuff on the side to get extra money. My nonprofit was not about money, but I was empowering young girls. Um, shout out to She Chicago. They're still in existence. 
Um, and I just thought that I would do my thing on the side and be a teacher at that school until I couldn't be a teacher anymore. Then COVID happened. We got new administration. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really mesh well with the administration and um, the way that they wanted to do things there. And um, I also was not provided the support. My baby girl at that time frame was in preschool. Mm. Um, she was in preschool when COVID first hit and then kindergarten when we started the, the second school year or that next school year. And she had to have her teacher called as teammates because they're on the computer. She's five years old. They don't know what to do. So you have to train them and all that. And I cannot be live with a class of 30 kids and be next to my five-year-old at the same time. And when I presented that challenge to my administrators, it was like, well, you know, so, you know, I used my network and my skills and talent and I got up out of there before I lost my job. (laughs) And um, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that. You left teaching mm-hmm. to become a coach before mm-hmm. you lost your job, snapping on the people mm-hmm. about how they're not letting you show up for your own child. But that ain't why. I mean, it, that they was the reason why. Right. Mm-mm. She was just, she was a... Oh, the the itch word. No, and, and I said it. I said it in a, um, a group chat and I almost said it on a, a, a Zoom call. So I had to get up out of there before it mistakenly came out and we got into it. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And so you're doing that work currently, mm-hmm. um, but you're also doing work that is probably a little bit more close to home uh, for you as far as like the the emotional mm-hmm. resilience. resilience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now you don't have to go into it, but like, why is that important mm-hmm. for you? Uh, my goal is to heal urban communities from all the trauma that we have experienced that's been passed down really in our DNA from slavery. And I am one person. I know I can't do it all, but I'm trying to help as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have um, as much turmoil because we don't really know how to manage our emotions. We don't express them properly. We don't engage with them um, the way that we need to. And that results in people blowing up, they shooting, they leaving families. We're doing all of these things. And so um, I'm trying to help out with that. Um, I was exposed to it. Uh, I realized that I had a choice in my thinking, well, not necessarily in my thinking, but I, that I didn't have to do exactly what I felt when I became a teacher leader. And I learned about the amygdala in the brain. Are you familiar with the amygdala? It's the thing that tell you to survive. Mm-hmm. It's what's flipped when like you, it's the prompting event happens and it sends a signal to your amygdala and your amygdala is like, ah! Right. Mm-hmm. And so I learned um, from reading this book called The Art of Coaching Teams by Elena Aguilar. I love her. have all her books. If y'all are interested in anything around building resilience and education, all that, read her books. But when she talked about that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a choice. And I'm also not the only person that's experiencing this. There's nothing wrong with me. This is natural. It like opened up my eyes um, in a way that was really what's the word? Um mind-blowing for real for real Mm -hmm. and that awareness um and learning the different uh components of emotional intelligence or what does that look like Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think it looks a variety of ways. Um, I think it looks like, well, what I'm working towards right now is helping teachers to be able to support students better. So um, over the last few years, SEO has been a hot topic. SEO is social emotional learning, which is really just emotional intelligence in kids, right? You can't teach kids to manage their emotions if you don't know how to manage yours. How are we telling little Timmy to stop running or stop yelling at his partner, but you're yelling at him and I can hear you through the walls when I'm observing other teachers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a skill that a lot of adults don't have. Um, so I'm working with the adults so that they can be better for the kids. That's number one. I think about um, what it looks like in families because um, a lot of us are transitioning to conscious parenting, but some of us still have that old school style. And most of the times mm -hmm, I'm like that too. And it, it's, it's hard for me because when you know better, you're supposed to do better. But I know better and my natural habits make me do what I was raised on, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like a natural, a constant push and pull of what I am used to and what I know in that regard, which I know is supposed to happen in the future, right? So I think about helping parents to be able to engage better with their children and allowing them to have emotional expression and not just... Uh, the children getting in trouble because I don't know how to manage my own emotions. Now I'm upset that you did something and I got to lash out at you mm -hmm. or shut down and not talk to you. And then now you feel alone and aren't going to turn to the people in the streets that show you more love than what you get at home. You know, like it's a crazy cycle in that regard. So those are two things that come up. Um, I think about someone asked me, um, the other day if I had considered, um, taking the trainings that I do to prisons. Mm. And it almost made me cry because the whole catalyst of this outside of my teacher leader work was an incident that um, I was involved in in 2019 where I lost my temper because I was triggered and it has some very harsh consequences. And I vowed to never let anybody control me in that way again. Um, and so I just think about it. Um, from from that experience, I always I've said that in my later years that I will be doing some type of work towards prison reform, um, but I didn't even think about bringing what I'm doing right now into that community. So for them to like kind of insert that, it felt like a full circle moment almost. Um, but helping formerly incarcerated people to learn how to manage their emotions as well so that they can make responsible decisions. That's what the whole goal of it is. You increase your self-awareness so that you can manage yourself better, then interact people with people better socially so that you can make responsible decisions ultimately. So it's interesting because I think a lot of times people associate the education system in schools with prisons, mm -hmm. with the structures that they put in yep. with kids. Um school to prison pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think it's difficult, especially in our communities, to do that work mm -hmm. because you only get, what, six, seven hours with children a day. Mm -hmm. And they have all these other things that are showing that they're seeing when they leave, leave and go home. Right. Yeah. Um, like I know I took mental health coaching mm -hmm. uh, last year and I still have my moments where, you know, you have negative self-talk mm -hmm. or when I handle conflict. It's not always in the most positive way. My pettiness mm -hmm. pops out really quickly. Sometimes, like even right now, like this text message I want to send, but I'm yes. like, eh, bless the Lord. Don't send the text message, right? <laughs> yes. Just say it. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah. So 
it, it, I think that's a great word, right? Um, what are like three things people can do in their everyday life to like be better at this? Mm -hmm. So no, the first thing that comes to mind is practicing mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So that's taking the time to sit back and be aware of what is happening within your body. Mm -hmm. How does my when I, if I'm sitting and I'm quiet, what thoughts are going through my mind? Mm -hmm. Are my shoulders tense? What's happening with my toes, right? So that's, that's uh, being able to develop your initial sense of self awareness. Mm -hmm. Tons of mindfulness activities that are out here. Meditation is one of them too, right? Mm -hmm. So things like that. Another thing that I recommend is journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, because in addition to self awareness, you need some reflection so that you can think about the decisions that you've made and the stuff that has happened to you, even if it's in that day and determine if you responded in the right way or if you could have done something differently. So that reflective piece is very important. Um, and then I would also say to connect with people who do not have the same perspective as you. The reason I say that is because when we get around people who are like-minded and agree with us on almost every single thing that we think about, it becomes an echo chamber. And so now I'm expressing my frustration to you and you're like, yeah, that makes sense, blah, blah, blah. The whole time I probably should have responded differently, but because we share the same perspective on this, you're not able to coach me or offer advice that will help me get a different outcome. So making sure that you have people in your circle that are not um, the same, that don't think the same way as you, I think is a very important skill or tool to have in your toolbox so that you can increase your capacity too. So it's, I think it's great. And it reminds me of some of the things that my um, mental health coach talked to me about, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're going to wrap it up, but I'm going to ask you this question. I don't think I've asked anybody this. Oh, it's a first? Yeah. Come on. So if you had to talk to little Dominique, Natasha Briggs. Uh -huh. Wilkins. Wilkins, Wilkins, right. right? Yeah. Um, what are some key points that you would tell her to make sure that she accomplishes what she wants to accomplish? Like, <laughs> or if you could just go back and be like, this is what you need to know so that you can navigate life a lot better. First thing that comes to mind is to get a really strong understanding of financial literacy. I would say um, ground yourself in financial literacy so that you can start making power moves in your 20s and don't have to really wait until your 30s to, you know, like start building that up. Perfection is not real. You'll never be perfect. You can aspire to be or to do your best, but to aspire for perfection is going to burn you out. So be mindful of that. And then I will also tell her to hold some space and empathy for your mother mm. um, because she did the best that she could with what she had or she's doing the best that she can with what she has. And she is experiencing and has experienced some things that you won't even know about until you are well into adulthood that caused her to behave the way that she did. Mm -hmm. I think those things, that's what I would tell Ladamo. That's what you call yourself, Ladamo? That's what I would, that's what people caught me coming up. 
Okay. If you met me before I turned 18, or no, before I turned 20, when I turned 20, people start calling me Dom. Mm. Now, I would like people to call me D. I don't want y'all to call me Dom, because Dom Briggs sounds ridiculous. You can call me D for short, as D Briggs, that works together. What about Baby D? I, I take Baby D too, because Baby D was big, and I'm big, so I can be Baby, baby D. D. I'm, <laughs> I'm big enough. Your head I'm big. Oh my God, my, never mind. Okay, yes. What you gonna say? <laughs> that my behind is big too. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but she just has a caboose. Whatever. Yeah. Go to my Instagram page, maybe yeah. you see something. Um, well, thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been insightful to learn a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Um, probably have to come, have to come on and talk more about, um, setting the SEL. Mm-hmm. Social um, so emotional, emotional learning. learning. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and help people learn about that and what that, what goes into that and, mm-hmm. uh, where they can get more resources. Um, mm-hmm. if there's any, re- like, please share a link with me so mm-hmm. I can share it to people about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. So as always, um, I wish you peace, patience, understanding, knowledge, wisdom, discernment, health, strength, resolve. Um, be your best self because everybody's already taken. And so I tell you to be easy or don't. But every choice has a consequence and every action has a reaction.